Hello and welcome to The Flex. It's Matt St. Jean alongside Joe Howie as always. Joe, I gotta tell you, I'm pretty tired right now. That was a late night last night. The Friars come into Queens and get the victory. That was a, a very tense game and I, I did not get home until nearly one in the morning after it, but very happy to be there for yet another Providence victory. 19-2 and two on the season. Yeah, Matt, that was definitely... A- it was one hell of a basketball game. Um, and for anyone who follows me on Twitter, I can poke at fun at St. John's and their insecurities about Carneseca Arena all I want. But from just from the TV alone, I could tell it was one loud and rowdy environment. And no. St. John's is, is a, a quality basketball team. Pasha Alexander put up a career night. Um, we were fortunate that our age showed towards the end of the game, I think specifically with um, – breaking St. John's press and getting Durham the ball for those late game free throws. But mm-hmm. um, man, that was, that was a, a one hell of a contest. It really was. Yeah. And you talk about that building. I, I'll tell you this. I'm going to go to more games at Carnesecca because that was awesome. That's a cool environment. I, the size of the gym is actually really good because it makes it, it's so small, but so packed. Everybody's on top of the court and it just gets so loud. Like I couldn't hear myself thinking there. So yeah, that was, yeah. Made for a great environment, very rowdy, and I think my my biggest takeaway is that if you want to make the comparison of this Friars team to the 2021, that team came in at Carnesecca and looked intimidated in the venue and turned the ball over 23 times. They didn't know what to do. The Friars at no point seemed scared about out the environment, about having fans right on top of them. Didn't seem scared when St. Sean's made it runs and made the game close or even took the lead in the second half. Calm, cool, and collected. Except when they were trying to fight St. John's, but that's... <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that, uh, I, I agree. I, I, I think, um, and this is, you know, a, a huge credit to the team, especially given uh, the previous season that we just had without fans. I think playing under that pressure um, is intense. Uh, I I've never played college basketball, so I don't know how it feels, but the 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 seniority on the team definitely showed. A lot of those guys have been in big moment games with high pressure situations like that. So you could tell the, the maturity and, and the calming sense of, OK, we've been here before. I think specifically with Durham and Horkler, who were, were call, cool, calm and collected a, a lot late in the second half. Um, and to your yeah. to your point about the fight, Matt, you know, St. John's as talented as they are. They're scrappy, and quite honestly, I think they're a little dirty. Um, I think it was Adai Wusu at half court who was guarding Al Durham, elbowed him in the face, then stole the ball, and then you saw the flagrant one on Durham. If you look back at half court at the replay, Durham is just retaliating, and the officials didn't call that, and we can talk about officiating all we want, but the officials didn't call that. Al Durham, that's an that's an aggregate aggravation foul. And we're lucky because yeah. St. John's sucks at free throw shootings. I Wusu misses the front end of the of the, the flagrant free throws. Yeah, no, and that's there was a massive free throw disparity in this game. I guess we'd start with this as the first talking point. And honestly, it's pretty much all on St. John's. They were kind of giving away free throws to the Friars like candy all game long. And that's what they do. I mean, they lead the conference in fouls. They foul more than anybody else. And it was obvious. The Friars got to the line 33 times. And that's just that's undisciplined from the Red Storm. I'm not, I'm not shocked at all. This is what you expect from them. It's not It's not that different from what happened game one between these two. But, man, I mean, 
St. John's, in a lot of ways, outplayed Providence when they played well. The problem was they made so many mistakes, mistake after mistake after mistake, they just shot themselves in the foot. Yeah. And, yeah, and uh, to me, the thing that said that more than anything else is when they got that dunk. Uh, it was posh. I'm pretty sure they got a dunk late. And it was like hanging on the rim doing pull-ups, and you get the technical for it. Yep. I, I'm so glad you brought that up, Matt, because that's what I was going to build off of your point with. Um, if St. John's played a clean basketball game, meaning no silly turnovers, no stupid fouls, no idiotic brain-dead moments like posh pulling himself up on the rim, they would have beat us by double figures. But I, uh, And I saw this all over Twitter last night. You heard it on the comment, commentating crew on CBS Sports. St. John's kept shooting themselves in the foot. And Mike Anderson, when Pasha Alexander did a pull-up on the rim, looked at him and just was hitting his head saying, use your head. And I, I think that's where you know the youth of this team really comes in. Pasha Alexander's only a sophomore. And it's tough on an emotional, gritty, chippy night like this. You want the you want the emphasis points. You want to get the crowd into it. But at, at what point do you sacrifice common sense? You you were all alone and you did a pull up on the rim after a breakaway dunk. Congrats. You just gave us the ball back in a free throw because it's a technical foul. You know, yeah. and, and I think specifically with Posh Alexander, too, he gets away with murder with his on ball defense. The amount of reach call, the amount of reach in fouls that he could have been called for on Jared Bynum and Al Durham. Posh could have fouled out in the first half. But again, that doesn't discredit the night that he had. He put up a career night, 29 and 12. He's a really good basketball player. If he cleaned it up, he could be an all league selection easily. It, honestly, he probably still will be. If he if he plays like that, he will be an all league selection, probably be second team or honorable mention, something like that. He's really good. You just you see the youth. And that's where honestly, I thought it was really interesting that Ed Cooley went with the zone defense for a lot of the game because yeah, like they kept Champagny at check. They held Champagny to eight points. So they did a really good job against him. And part of that, you're playing the zone because you're betting St. John's can't beat you from three, which by and large they didn't. But he, Wheeler knocked down two in the second half that were huge. Uh, Daiwusu had some. And then the big thing was Posh is just so quick. He'd find the holes in that zone defense, the little pockets around the elbows and things like that where he could just take the shots he wanted. And, that's that's what they were sacrificing. That and rebounding is what they were sacrificing by playing the zone. And St. John's, I think, did a really good job of taking advantage of that. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I think your, your spot on Posh with the elbow uh, jump shots was he was torching us when, when it came to the zone defense. I think Ed Cooley was taking a play out of this, this first matchup with St. John's. Uh, St. John's was leading by, I think, somewhere in, in the neighborhood of 10 in the second half at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. Ed Cooley throws the zone at them, and they're completely baffled. I think you saw the same thing tonight. And to your point about Julian Champagny, I, I mean, I think, one, you got to credit Manaya and Horkler, who were kind of double-teaming him and playing checkers with the defensive assignment. But Champagny's been in a rut recently, and this is a guy who, Matt, I sang his praises early on in the season. I sang his praises prior to our matchup with St. John's back in early January. I don't know what's wrong with him. He was someone who was in contention for Big East Player of the Year who has slipped by the wayside severely. And a lot a lot of, of the more unknowledgeable St. John's fans will blame it on the forehead gash. But if you look at the, the slump he's been in the past four or so games, he's failed to score in double figures. He's having terrible shooting nights. Uh, Mike Anderson seems concerned in the postgame press conference about him. I don't know what's wrong with him. 
Yeah, no, you're spot on. For the first 15 games, Champagne was in double figures every one of them. He's been in single digits the last four. So, yeah, uh, sums up with him. Because the Friars' defense, honestly, did not seem all that concerned about Champagne when he was on the floor. I expected to see a lot of man with Manaya on Champagne, and you base the rest of the defense around that. And they weren't really concerned about it. In hindsight, they probably should have been more concerned about Posh Alexander. And I don't think the Friars have a defensive guard who's quick enough to guard him in man. So that's he's going to be a problem. That's that's something you got to figure out. If these two teams meet again in the Big East tournament in a month or five weeks, St. John's is going to be able to give him a game. Two of the, I think, five highest scoring games the Friars have allowed all year have been to St. John's. So this offense has been able to get things done. It's one of the few that has been able to against Ed Cooley. So that'll be something to watch out for. But Champagne is not as scary as he was back in early January when he was coming off a 34-point game against DePaul when the Friars got him. Yeah, exactly. And and even, too, what did he put up against UConn? 27, 29, something like that and in a loss? Uh, I just think, at UConn, 25 against Georgetown the next game. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know what's happened to him. As of late, he seems to have lost his way, but um, he was someone who was a serious contender for Big East Player of the Year. I think now the narrative is, has shifted towards Justin Lewis, but, again, don't really know what's going on there. Um and to your point about Posh Alexander, too, you, uh, we should have prepared better for him. I think um, Aaron Wheeler was another surprise hitting those those clutch threes in the second half. He put up 16. Um, but to your point about defending Posh Alexander, I think that's really where the, the chippiness of Bynum and Durham came out because you could tell they were frustrated defensively with Posh. Um, and, and also, Posh is just a, a pain in the ass to play against. I mean, he save the ball and or save the possession rather by ricocheting the ball off of Bynum's head at point blank. Like the look on Bynum's face after that was honestly hysterical. Like I'm not going to say it was intentional because I don't know if it was intentional, but it looked like Posh had enough control to aim it at Bynum's foot or his leg. And he went right for the head. So it wouldn't surprise me. Posh is kind of a jerk, Um, but listen, he's talented. He is. He's really good. And these are two teams that they do not like each other. I I know somebody on the St. John side who's down on the uh, down on the floor. They're a photographer and told me these two teams would have been more than willing to just fight each other from what they were saying on the court. (laughs) (laughs) So and based on what Ed Cooley said earlier this season about street fights and what we've seen from Providence and how tough they are this year. It doesn't shock me at all that they are that kind of team. And that's that's old school Big East. It's a big reason why they've been so good late. And honestly, kind of the ice cold killer for the Friars in this one, I think it was Noah Horkler. He had 14 yeah. points, but he knocked out four threes and just about every single one of them was at a clutch time. I was going to say, uh, I think Horkler and Durham are like the the ice, the ice cold killers. I like that uh, of the game. Um, Durham, obviously, with the free throws, Cooley compared him to Mariano Rivera coming in and just being the closer. Yeah. Um, gotta go and to Mo. Yeah, gotta go to Mo. Enter Sandman. Enter <laughs> Durham. I don't know what to call Durham, but um, <laughs> Horkler was hitting timely threes, and it seemed as if a couple of his threes were right when St. John's took the lead. Horkler was like, "Oh no, no sir, no thank you." Yeah. Um, and I did want to make a comment on the street fight mentality that you brought up, Matt. You'd think that a team that is 
19 and two and nine and one in conference play wouldn't be as chippy and uh, as aggressive as the Friars. But when you get shit on nationally by every media source that's out there, except for the Fox broadcasters, I, I think it's it's warranted. You know, no one gives Providence the respect it deserves. And I think that's reflected in the way the players are playing like Durham and Bynum have been mouthy and chippy. Nate Watson has been overly aggressive in a sense of just imposing his sheer dominance on people. I mean, the end one dunk against Marquette, that was an emotional win for them. That was an emotional dunk. We're trying to prove ourselves with an, with one of the best records in college basketball. And it's completely because of how the media views us. Yeah. No. And I think just on your point about the recognition part, one of the things I really liked watching them was one of the press conferences I believe it was after the Marquette game. It could have been after the, no, it was after Marquette. When Ed Cooley was talking about Justin Minaya being one of the best defensive players in basketball and how people need to open their eyes and watch this team. I watched that press conference from a couple of different video angles. And one, if you watch Nate Watson while that's happening, <laughs> you see, Oh my God, the, the biggest, is he's got the mask on. You can still the biggest smile on his face. And that press conference was hilarious. But yeah, and Mania is sitting there like a little bit awkward, but with a little smile. What it looked like was like a parent teacher conference where the teacher is talking about how how good of a student you are. And Mania is sitting there feeling like kind of shy and awkward, but also really happy about it. And his buddy is over here and being hyped for it. <laughs> I think um, Manaya was trying to be a little stoic too. Like he's getting he's getting praise from Cooley, saying he should be a top fifteen national defensive player of the year candidate. He's trying not to crack a smile, but he is. And like that, like I feel like everyone's been in that situation where you're getting praise, but you don't want to look happy that you're getting the praise. Um, that was priceless. And when Cooley said, "Do your effing jobs," like <laughs> Watson's eyes. Oh my god, that was freaking hilarious if you haven't yeah. watched that press conference yet i highly recommend it i know it's two games removed now but so worth it it was so yeah. funny yeah absolutely go do that because it's it's fantastic and i coolly talks about this team how close they are how this is the, probably the closest team he's ever coached and it's moments like that where it kind of it jumps off the tape where you can see just how much they like each other but yeah going back to this game though at st john's horkler those clutch threes he hit the other guy who hit him Jared Bynum. Yeah. He had a couple late in the shot clock threes, just bailouts that, oh my God, you put the, the ones from Bynum and the ones to, from Horkler together and probably six out of the eight threes they hit just shut down the crowd. Uh, I was going to say too, Bynum's one three, the, the commentating crew, Matt, I know you were at the game, so you didn't hear it, said Bynum from Brooklyn. Uh, my mom on the couch said something a little funnier. She said, Bynum from Madison Square Garden. And if you're someone on Twitter who understands the context of how insecure St. John's is about Karnaseka Arena, I thought that was fantastic because it's basically saying Bynum's hitting that from Madison Square Garden, which is the arena everyone wants to play you in. I, mm -hmm. I just so freaking uh, ironic and funny. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, Bynum was hitting from NBA range and given his height, he's five foot ten. He was elevating over some defenders. I think a Daiwusu was on him for one of those threes. Like just it really, really clutch baskets from him. Who and he's really improved his three point shooting this year. Compared yeah, to last year. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that at um St. Joe's. He was he was good at that. 
been able to knock down shots. And he's finally found that stroke again here in Providence now that he's comfortable. Uh, I, I also thought it was interesting. We talked a lot about the press for St. John's and how it gets it gets them confident. It gets them going. I think, it, I think that was the case for the Friars. They ran some press, and St. John's had more turnovers than Providence did. Yeah. The press was pretty uh, effective for the Friars, and I have a I have a good feeling that, that was what played into some of these guys hitting shots. I I also think with respect to the press, Providence's press breakers against St. John's, like from last season last season to this season, have improved like tenfold. Uh, I think our late game press breakers to get Durham the ball are fantastic. I like when um you have Durham inbounding and then Manaya runs out of bounds and Durham passes to him. Oh, it, I love twice. That one. Twice now we've gotten teams with that, and three uh, times. a lot of the same three times. three times. Yeah, uh, a lot of the St. John's fans took to Twitter and were saying, you know, St. John's did a really good job of letting us inbound the ball to Durham late in the game, and mm-hmm. they did. I just think from uh, an adjustments standpoint, we're, we're breaking out of what's comfortable, and I think in years past we had a comfortable press breaker of get it in to someone and, and they hide in the corner and and wait to get fouled. I think now we're being a little more creative with how we're getting the ball to the the, the player that we wanted to stripe, which is Durham. Yeah. And the other one I liked earlier in the game, that when you're not worried about fouls, you're just trying to get the ball across half court. St. John's, a lot of times, just they weren't defending um, the inbounder. So the Friars would put Horkler in to, to pass it in, and then he'd run up the floor and nobody would be on him. So he'd get yeah. to take it up, and he did really well in that role. There was a play, I want to say eight and a half minutes left in the first half. Don't quote me on that. I'll have to find it. But he gets the ball back, dribbles across half court, passes it up to the right side, gets the ball back, and it's a two-on-one down low, and he just drops it off to Croswell, who puts it in. It's like, all right, that's yeah. how you break a press. That's how you get behind the defense, move the ball effectively. It was perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know who I was surprised we didn't see more of last night? Ed Croswell? No, Alan Breed. He um, only played one minute, and he's... I, I was surprised they didn't use him more as a defensive guard on Posh Alexander. Uh, I was thinking about that, too. Um, uh, I think part of that is because you wanted to get Reeves a, a little more comfortable with the flow of the game. Um and again, listen, this is a tighter one. Had Providence gone up by more than 10 in the second half, I think Breed would have been on the floor. But I also think you take a gamble offensively when you have Breed in. Um, defensively, you know, I think he's a he's a good on-ball defender. I think he stays with his man pretty well. Offensively, especially when you're, you're taking a lot of threes in a game like this, I don't know if Alan Breed is the guard you want in just because, yes, you can play checkers, you can sub him in and out offense-defense, but – to, to do that kind of almost disrupts the flow of the game unless you're sub three minutes in the second half. So I, I think offensively is why we kept him on the bench. But I think you're right, Matt. Defensively, he probably would have been a, a refreshing presence, especially on Posh, who was having a great game. Um, but listen, it's one game and we won. So we, we not to speculate or read into it too much, you know. Yeah. I also, I mean, Breed did score. He in the one minute he took one field goal and laid it in. He's he's decent in transition on offense. So I don't know. I I thought Cooley made some interesting decisions both with the zone and some of the rotations. But at the end of the day, it works. So the Friars come come away. It was the final was eighty six eighty two. I don't know if we said that earlier, but yeah, it's it's a win. 
and they closed it out the way they needed to. I was I was super impressed in just in general how they battled back from every run that St. John's made. Because there's a point where, I don't know, maybe six minutes left in the game, and the Friars were up yeah, seven and a half minutes. Uh, Watson got the end one, and you're up seven with seven and a half. And I felt really good about it then. And then St. John's went on a very quick run. They hit two threes. They had a dunk in there. And Posh sunk one of two from the free throw line. And all of a sudden, the game is tied. And then another minute later, Posh gets two layups. And St. John's is ahead with three and a half left. And that was kind of that stretch. Man, the building came a lot. That was the that was the only moment where I was like, oh, wow. They might lose this. Like St. John's might make this, might make a run and make this interesting. But then you look at the scoring for the rest of the game. It's a three from Bynum and then free throw, 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 free throw. Yep. Yeah. I mean, this is this is what we expected coming out of St. John's. And listen, this is a desperate team, you know. They've severely underperformed in comparison to their preseason expectations. Um, and they're playing at home in, in front of uh, a sold-out Karnaseka. Uh, you, I was expecting them to play quick. I wasn't expecting them to have these long, dragged-out offensive possessions. And I think the sequence you just described, Matt, is a perfect embodiment of St. John's basketball. You know, a seven-point lead is not safe with them, especially with... Uh, notable time left in the second half. That's what I'll call the seven minutes because like you said, they just came back and punched and punched and punched. I think this is where the maturity aspect for the Friars came into play. You know, uh, I think Watson specifically just keeping his composure down low. You know, you had that oaf Joel Sariano on him who has, you know, he's running his mouth all game and <laughs> fouls out with zero points. Like <laughs> that's hilarious. Like, that was yeah, shocker. Joel Sariano in foul trouble. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, listen, at the end of the day, you got the win. Your seniors did what they were supposed to. Um, and you beat a pesky St. John's team. This is a St. John's team I don't want to see again, especially no. at Madison Square Garden, even though we'll probably show up with more fans than them. But <laughs> I digress. Yeah, no, and this is, oh, my goodness. St. John's is just so pesky. This is what they do to everybody, too. Like, they're not, when they have a good game, they can beat anybody in the Big East because of their style. The thing is, the, the other downside of their style is you can lose to anybody. It's just, it's high variance. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that last, when Posh hits the layup, 334 left, St. John's takes a lead, and then Bonham hit that three late in the shot clock to get the lead back. And the Friars never trailed again after that. And that was incredible. That's, that's clutch shot making right there. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, and talk about the clutch shot making from Bynum this past, I mean, less than that's a week and stretch. And yeah. yeah. I mean, at Xavier, Bynum hits the three last Wednesday to seal the game for us with less than a, two seconds left on the clock. And now today, hitting the or excuse me, last night hitting the three to take the lead back, and then the the Friars don't look back. I mean, I think this what is it now? One, two, three, four, five or so day off before you play Georgetown is well needed for this team. Um, I gotta be tired, and also, and also well deserved. I mean, you're playing on quick turnaround. You played an emotional, emotional game against Marquette on Saturday. Monday's a travel day, and then Tuesday 
9 p.m. late night tip off. So talk about playing, uh, you know, talk about, you know, being lucky. I'd say more like clutch, more like adapting to the environment. Lucky, uh, like not many. T- if UConn had to play Sunday with one day travel and then a 9 p.m. tip Tuesday, no escalators would have been pissing and moaning and crying on Twitter. But you didn't hear a peep out of us, you know. We just Kevin come in cool, come here somewhere. Just thinking about that, Kevin Willard would be on his hands and knees crying if that happened to Seton Hall. Actually, didn't I mean, that it did. happen to them? They did against St. John's. They had to play two games in three days, and that that second one is when he was complaining about them playing in too small a gym. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, we uh, we got that one right. But yeah, no, I mean, I just. I think you got to use this time off and just rest because I can only imagine how beat up these guys are. That was a physical game. That was a very physical game. Yeah, and, and talk about two physical games, three physical games, really. I mean, every game in the Big East is going to be physical, and I think that's the, the broad stroke statement that you can assign to the league. But Xavier was a physical game. Marquette was a physical and emotional game. And I think you heard that even in our podcast. I was certainly emotional. I apologize to nobody for being emotional (laughs) in that podcast because I think emotions in sports are highly undervalued. But then you talk about St. John's where this was a severely physical game. There was an emotional aspect to it with the, the end of the first half, you know, brawl. But physical also in the sense where St. John's plays dirty and they get away with a lot of touchy fouls, but like Posh is like hitting people at Iwusu's elbowing Durham in the face. Like this was a physical and dirty physical game too. Like St. John's plays dirty basketball. So these guys are in well need of a rest. Yes, that they are. Yeah. So they'll hopefully they'll use this time, rest up, get their stamina back because you got to go on the road to Georgetown. And that's a game you can't afford to lose. This is a Georgetown team that just, just played pretty well with Seton Hall at home last night. So, again, you can't you can't overlook anybody in the Big East. And ideally, you want to make this like the DePaul game. Just go down there, take care of business, go get a big win. This is this is one of the ones the margin doesn't matter, but you'd like to see the big margin here because you only have so many opportunities for that left on the schedule. Yeah. And Friars now you got back-to-back games with a lot of rest. You get five day rest Georgetown on Sunday, and then six days off before you get DePaul at home on Saturday. So you get two of the easier games in the big East right there. Lots of rest. Can't get complacent. Can't get rusty, but you want to get as healthy as you possibly can because then it's the final five we've been waiting for. (laughs) Yep. Uh, I, I think too. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I mean, you win this game, you're 19 and two. I mean, barring something crazy, you're going to go into that Villanova game as at least a 20 win team. Yeah, but I mean, I also think this time off is good to get Reeves back into the mix a little bit more. Obviously, he started um, last night. He only played 20 minutes, and I, I think that's fair given. Um, you know, he's coming off of a month and a half off and and you wouldn't know that because the national media doesn't report that, but Reeves is coming off of almost a month and a half off. So, you know, ease him back in, but I think the rest and the games against Georgetown and DePaul are a great time to incorporate him back into the mix. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, too, that's super important, especially if, if Cooley's running with this tighter rotation. I mean, last night you saw Alan Breed catch the short end of the stick. We really only played seven guys, legitimate minutes, 10 or more. Croswell only played 13, still went perfect from the field with eight points. Um, but I think in a game like that, you need Watson's 
age. You need Watson's maturity and physicality. Croswell will get his time, but you look at the rotation. One, two, three, four, five, six guys played 20 minutes or more, and that's it. Yeah, that's and that you're tightening it down, tightening everything down. So yeah, I mean this is one other one other thing I wanted to touch on before we wrap this up. That's just Al Durham in general. For as good of a closer as he was, that might have been one of the worst games he had on the season because he only hit one shot from the floor. He had two fouls and a technical, which the technical was absolutely deserved. The flagrant, I'm not sure about. The technical, yes. And I mean, that's crazy to have one of your worst games of the season and still score 14 points and be as dominant from the free throw line as he was. Shots weren't fallen, but he still did what he had to do to get the win. So, yeah. Let's see. Let's see him knock down a couple more of those shots next game. Same with Reeves. Reeves one of five from deep. He can he can hit more than that. Yeah, I, I also think shot selection with Reeves. Um, there there were a couple of good looks that he had in there that I w- w- wasn't too upset about. There were a couple of rushed threes. Um, there was one in transition I thought was a really poor shot selection. Um, but again, this is why you need the time off. You need to take the five days and then the six days to really incorporate him back into the system and get him, get the muscle memory back up, get him uh, on his feet again and get him back to the AJ Reeves that we know. Um, And then with Durham too, I I think the free throws is obviously made up the slack for his poor shooting from the field. I think a lot of that's attested to the emotional play that he had going on. Like he was trying, he was looking for emphasis buckets and he was a lot of times playing this hero ball that we've seen in the past from Pipkins, Diallo, David Duke. Like I, I think we saw glimpses of that. It wasn't as exaggerated or as obvious as in years past, but, um, he made up for it at the line, so it doesn't really matter. Also, six rebounds, not bad for your combo guard. No, not at all. And that's why, I mean, this was just, this was a full team effort. And it was, you go, I'll make you go on the road, and St. John's did their thing. You still hang on, you, and you get the win. You're never going to complain about that. This is, and it's going to go down as a close win. Another one of these close games. Why? Because they executed at the end of the game when they needed to. The only guy who really missed free throws for them was Nate Watson. And if the only guy who's missing free throws for you is your big man, your center, you're never going to complain about that, especially when he still hit more than half of his. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, you're doing doing what you need to do. That's that's what this was. Uh, almost, I'm not going to say it was a professional-like game because um, I can't say that when you go on the road and almost get into a fight and there's technicals and all that. <laughs> but... For for a college team to go on the road in this, again, you're just happy with it. Nineteen and two, nine and one in the Big East right now, Joe. Yes, sir. Just keep on moving. Yeah, I'm gonna need some sleep after this one. Let me tell you, Joe. You know what's gonna ruin my sleep schedule? You see what's on the, you see what's on the schedule for tonight? Oh, is this? Um, Nova Marquette. It's yeah. 10 p.m. Eastern. Come on. By sleep schedule. Yeah, that's not fun. <laughs> that's. It, oh, boy. Yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised if Marquette wins that game. No, and this is if Marquette. Marquette has a chance to sweep Villanova. That's. That, yeah. That's, and that's, 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 that's going to be interesting. That, if they sweep Villanova, then there's a real shot Villanova could drop as far as third in the conference. Not going to drop behind you, UConn, though. Not to mention, if Marquette sweeps Villanova, it helps us in the Big East standings, too, because then Nova has three losses. 
Yep. And then, hey, if we split with Nova and win our home games. Oh, no, then... I, don't, I don't want to play look ahead. I don't want to play look ahead. <laughs> I'll, I'll be the one that does that. But yeah, no, look, the Friars are set up right now for a good finish. We'll keep our eyes on that game tonight. But 19 and 2, 9 and 1, the Friars control their destiny for this season. And hey, it's a good day to be a Friar. Yes, sir. I, I think that's a great spot to end. Let's close it out. Yep. yep. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Make sure you're following us at the Flex Hoops. Follow our personal account. Subscribe wherever you're listening to this. Send us a review if you like us. If you don't, don't worry about it. You don't have to do that. And <laughs> go ahead and come join our group chat. Say hi. Pretty friendly people. Once again, for Joe Howie, I'm Matt St. Jean. Thank you for listening. Go Friars.